today we are the church in the church calendar we celebrate what's called Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is about Jesus being inaugurated as king. And we've been saying that the gospel is the announcement of God becoming a human being in the person of Jesus and then being inaugurated and crowned as king in the midst of a broken world. And that's what Palm Sunday is about. There's no more secrets. There's no more Jesus saying, keep what I do quiet. He's, he's saying, here I am, and I'm riding into this city, and I've come to do what, what my kingship is meant to do in this world. Now, human beings have a lot of expectations of what that should look like, and Jesus is going to break down those expectations. Um, but for now, today, uh, in our text, this is a moment of celebration, okay? And so this is from Matthew 21. We're going to read from verses 1 through 11. Jesus had just healed uh, um, some, blind, some blind folks, and they, they finally saw who he was. And so right after that, this is what happens. Now, when he drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of the beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him, and they followed him, were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. It's our practice here to spend some moments in silence. And what I'm always going for, what we're always going for here, is no matter how distracted you might be or non-distracted you might be, uh, you and I, we're going to ask God to be present in this moment with us, in that moment of silence, and that he would speak through his word to you and to us this morning, that he's the king. Ready? Let's pray. Lord, it's good to be at home in your presence, the presence of your people, and the human soul is most at peace when we are living under your rule and reign. And so I ask now that you would give uh, all of us in this room just a small window of the, the taste of heaven, Lord, a, a little glimpse of what it is when all of the cosmos turns to you and comes alive and blooms um, into what we were always meant to be. And so, Lord, that's, that's why we open your word. We, uh, we know that you're the true shepherd. You're the shepherd of shepherds, and we hear your voice. And so even there's, there's all sorts of parts of our lives and parts of our community and parts of our world um, 
that have turned from you. And in our own hearts, Lord, the Christian faith is not about avoiding that, um, but it's about knowing that you embraced a rebellious people. You embraced us, you came after us, and you will win. You will win our hearts. And so would you do that in incremental ways this morning, that you would convert us and um, that we would submit to you, and that we would learn that you submitted to the Father on Palm Sunday. In Christ's name, amen. So again, the, the, king, the kingship of Jesus, the kingship of Jesus is one of the most profound teachings, but also the, the thing that Jesus is embodying this particular Sunday is what we've been talking about over the past several months now in the book of Matthew, that the gospel is this announcement that like, hey, heaven and earth are overlapping in this one person, and in this one person, everything changes. Everything that gets near him changes. Everything is, is coming into its own. Everything is coming into that which it was always intended and designed to be. That includes animals, that includes people, that includes cities. Um, and we, what we see here in, in Palm Sunday is his coronation, the beginning of his coronation, the beginning, the beginning of him being crowned uh, the king. And what's so very confusing about his kingship initially is that it does not look like victory. It doesn't look like a triumph. And that's what we're going to discuss, not only this Sunday, but I want you to think about this and think about this in your own personal life all throughout this week. This is called Holy Week. And whenever you hear the word holy, that word gets a bad rap. And when you think of holy, think of you in nearness to God. Not like holier than thou, but you in the place that, that you were always designed to be. You unlocked into the resurrection self that you were headed towards if you believe in Jesus Christ. And what his kingship shows us is that it's, it's unforced, that it demands a response, and that it brings peace. Okay? So first, his kingship, Jesus' kingship is unforced. 200 years before this happened, there were these uh, uh, Israelite families uh, called the Maccabees, and they were very, very strong and intense warriors, and the Greeks had taken over Israel. And these Maccabees got together with a bunch of other strong Jewish warriors, and they basically invented guerrilla warfare and took back the city from the Greeks and made Israel an independent nation. And one of these Maccabees after he did that, a complete like, like uh, man of war rode back into the city on a war horse and people laid their cloaks down and began to wave branches as he entered the gates of the city of Jerusalem. He says, Jewish people, Israel and Jerusalem is yours now because we have conquered our enemy, the oppressive enemy of the Greeks. This is what's in the minds of people as Jesus rides into Jerusalem. But Jesus, if you notice in the text, is on a donkey. And in the Greek, it actually says a baby donkey. 
And uh, you ever seen a grown man on a baby donkey? It's like little Sebastian. Y'all seen Parks and Rec, you know? Um, like that, those horses at the zoo, you know, those little tiny guys? Um, now, that's uh, on, it, on its own. It's kind of it's comical. Um, but that's a historical way in which God had said he wanted his Israelite kings to be. And the reason why is because he did not want his leaders among his people relying on strength, human strength and human force. So much so that he says, when you guys institute a king and a kingship, here's what I want my kings to be like. I don't want them relying on horses and chariots. I don't want them relying on money. I don't want them relying on power human power and strength. What I want them relying on is me. That's what God wants. And so Saul, King Saul, uh, rode in on a donkey. And Jesus is in that strand and he's saying, look, this is how God wanted human beings to be all along in submission and dependence on him. And uh, I got got to tell you, like, this is... um, I want to be completely honest. I, this is what I love and hate about God. This is what I love and hate about Christianity. That I forget it. I forget that this is what it's about every single day and in about a hundred different ways each day. I forget that my approach to God is not about anything that I can do or not do. It's not about force. It's not, it's not something that I bring to the table. And it's not about getting stuff done. It's not about accomplishments. It's about being unforced in God's kingship and how much grace he gives. And y'all, like, I have been so, you know, you think like, well, like you're, you're like a Bible teacher. You're supposed to know this. Like, yes, yes and no. Bible teachers are the worst at this sometimes. That we think when we get up here, like if we know it really, really well, or, if, you know, I make sure I, anybody that critiques what, what I'm going to say, like I have an answer. And it's like, you know, you're, what, what the human heart does, like try, tries to defend itself from people and make sure that you're enough. And that's not how God works. That's not how the gospel works. The gospel says God is enough and no human being is. And so uh, one of the things I learned this past month is uh, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very disciplined person and I'm very regimented and uh, my closest friends know this about me. And they said, hey, we want you to not do anything productive at all this month. But we do want you to uh, think about this one very tiny passage of Scripture the whole month. And it's actually from Matthew 11, and I want, I want to read it to you. Uh, it's a different translation of, of Matthew 11, but, but here's what it says. Are you tired worn out, burnt out on religion. Any of y'all burnt out on religion? (laughs) This is what Jesus says. Come to me, 
get away with me. And you'll recover your life. Jesus says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's the part that, uh, that got me, the unforced rhythms of grace. You know, uh, the, the reason why we are averse to grace is because we really don't think that good things are coming in the future. And so we have to work. We have to get it done. We have to protect ourselves. And I think that's part of why Jesus rides into Jerusalem. You know, he had, think about the things that you fear. Think about the things that happened this week. Um, think about the things, the ways in which we, we need to protect ourselves. And Jesus had every right, every right to fear the future. I mean, of what's coming to him, you know, in just a few days. And he rides in in an unforced way. And the reason why is because he's riding towards giving you grace. He's riding towards setting you free by not setting himself free. He had every, every right to be, <laughs> to, to be nervous, but he wasn't. And so he's inviting, he's inviting you to recognize, first, to recognize what, what an unforced way through life looks like in his kingdom. And as we, as we walk through the text, I want you to begin to notice the things in your own heart, but especially over this coming week, there are things in your own life where you're going to like recoil against that. You're going to say, that's not possible. I, can't, I cannot live that way because I got, I got to get stuff done. I got to worry. And what I want you to do, this is what Holy Week is about. I, I want you to bring God into that space of worry. So first, his, king, his kingship is unforced. Second, his kingship commands a response, and this is a very short point, and one that I'm trying to restrain myself because I would talk about it for literally seven hours. But in the text, everything, everything responds to Jesus and how they're supposed to respond, if you read it. Everything. The palm branches and the trees, there, there are all sorts of verses. If you read the Old Testament, there's all sorts of verses that when the king arrives, when God is in the presence of the world in its original intended design, things come alive. In Isaiah 55, it even says that the trees of the field clap their hands. You know? And we think it was like, well, that's kind of poetry. Like, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Uh, when, when human beings see him riding in to the city, they shout, Hosanna, which, which is a way, it, it means save us, but it's also a way to, to praise the one who made you. It's when the human soul 
turns toward, toward, towards God, and, and it's like, oh, everything clicks into place. This is what I was meant to do. And even one, one commentator says, a, a baby donkey hasn't been broken yet. D.A. Carson says, you, you, there's no way that baby donkey would, A, allow itself to be ridden, and be so calm around a crowd who is making lots of noise, which must mean that the Lord is, the Lord Jesus, when, when people and things and everything is around him, it just, it, it blooms into what it was always intended to be. That he is the Lord of all. And he makes things do what they were always intended to be. If you notice your yards, I mean, I already see it in my yard. There is green coming up everywhere. You know, it's delayed here in the Midwest because it's the cold tundra of this <laughs> blessed country. Um, but in five days, watch your yards. Watch your yards. Everything will be green. And what if it is the case that we are all in a dormant state right now? And that we don't even know. We don't even know the beauty of what's coming. The, the response of when Jesus comes into the life, not only of a human being, but of all of creation, is that it will begin to blossom. The other response is what we'll see over the course of this week in Scripture, is to viciously hate that, to not like it. And this is how it plays out in the human heart. You begin to say, yeah, I, I wish that happened in this world, but it just doesn't. I wish that there was a way of kingship that brings everything into right standing with, with God and with one another, but have you, have you opened up your eyes yet? That ain't happening. Those, see, those are the two responses of his kingship. You look, you look at it and you say, yeah, I wish it was true, but that is just, it's simply false. Uh, or the other response is, yeah, that would be, I, I long for that. And what Jesus is simply asking from his followers and to you right now is to hang on to that longing. Hang on to it. Don't, don't stamp it out. Because he has come to bring peace. Shalom. Um, Jerusalem. The, that word means the city of peace. You can probably get there. Jeru, city, shalom, peace, city of peace. Um, and what Jesus is doing is that he's, he's riding into the city of peace, and he's showing what it's going to cost to bring peace into this world. And... Um, this is why the Lord came, and this is really, really confusing when you first, and when you continue to be a Christian, the way he brings peace into the world not only doesn't meet our expectations, um, but in the short term, you won't, you won't like it, and there's a part of you that will hate it, okay? Okay? This is the irony of ironies about the gospel. 
that the way Jesus brings peace into the world and in, into the life of a human being is to go in to the darkness of the way in which we crowned him. The way in which we uh, did away with him. That we all do it. And um, I want to give you a few sort of illustrations and then points of application for this weekend, and then we'll be done, okay? Um, two weeks ago, our minivan, we have a Toyota Sienna minivan, which is just an amazing vehicle, by the way. Um, it was making a weird sound, um, and we learned that it was uh, the CD player. CD players uh, play these things that you used to hear music on. They were these circular discs. Um, and so we took the the mechanic was like, you got to take this like to the actual Toyota shop. I was like, ah, okay. So I took it to the shop, and I was like, our CD players uh, messed up, and they were like, you know, searching under the hood, and then they found two thousand other dollars worth of more necessary things to fix because they went searching around. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so um, I don't know if you guys have ever gone to somebody looking for help. And then they make things a lot worse. Um, when Sarah and I had our first child, uh, Ambrose, we uh, were having marriage struggles, um, getting in arguments, and we would get to a place um, multiple times where I'd be saying something, she'd be saying something, we weren't hearing each other, and we, we finally realized we need a third party. And so we went to marriage counseling. And at the first few sessions of the marriage counseling, you know, the guy sits down, he's like, well, how, how can I help you? And, and we said, well, we have a communication problem, and we'd like for you to help us with that. And uh, he said, oh, that's, that's a canary in the coal mine issue. Um, and we're like, what's that? We're like, you know, canaries, coal miners used to bring canaries down in the coal mine so that when carbon monoxide levels would raise, they would die first. <laughs> so the coal miners would know to get out. Um, and what he was saying is that your, your communication problem is rooted in something much more deeper and much more toxic. And he said, that's where I want to take you if you want me to be your marriage counselor. And uh, I remember, you know, riding back, Sarah, uh, from, from Dallas multiple times thinking, like, I don't know if I want to peer underneath the hood. You know, I don't know if I want to go down deep into that coal mine of our marriage. And um, so we had to make a decision. We really did. We had to make a decision, like, do we want to do this? And uh, we did decide to continue on. And I got to tell you, that um, was maybe the best decision we've made in our marriage, to go down into the darkness. Um, that has not only borne fruit for our nuclear family, but for so many outside of our family. And this is what Jesus does when he comes into the life of people. Like, we come to him with a surface-level problem. We, we come to him and, and we say, we want peace. And he says... The way you're going to get peace is if you take a deep, long look into your own heart and see what you've done with my kingship. 
and see how in, in so many ways you, ha- you have avoided the true root issue. Look, y'all, I, I don't know about you, but when I, when I look at the world and I, I see that the Lord has offered peace, um, I get bitter. I struggle. Um, as, as many of you know that, you know, Thomas and I are friends with a guy who lost a daughter in that shooting in Tennessee. Her name is Hallie Scruggs. And there are, there are certain tragedies that there are no words for. There are certain things that you guys have endured here in this room and that you will endure in the future that there really, there really cannot be any way for a human being to address it. And that is why I think Jesus rides into Jerusalem. He rides in to address that unspoken thing that we cannot address on our own. And he says, my blood is what's going to give peace to the world. My, my blood is what's going to reconcile everything. My blood is what's going to draw all men and women into one united race that stops killing each other because you recognize that you killed me. And that's the point of Holy Week. I had this... Um, I had this image that sort of became clear to me over the past month. I, I um, imagine people, all people, you know, people in my family, people outside my family, people inside the church and outside the church as uh, trees with many branches that kind of go out from the center of the tree. And those, you know, those branches can represent your your strong opinions, your, your personality, the rough edges of who you are. But there's always a center to a person. This, the center of who like, you, re- you really are out, outside of those branches like com- coming in. And, and I think that God's always drawing us back to, to the center of who we are, where our soul is. And I think that as you know, Jesus was never out of alignment with who he was because he was always at one with his father. And as he's riding into Jerusalem, that's what's riding into Jerusalem, a a human being uh, as the image of the perfect image of God that was never out of alignment. And when the human race, the crowds, the mobs, us see that riding into the world, we can't handle it. We have to kill it. Like Cain killed Abel, we have to snuff it out. And what the gospel is about is not about avoiding that part of your heart. It's not about saying, oh, that can't be true, or oh, I don't need that. But the gospel is about saying, okay, that's true of me. I couldn't handle it. And by the chastisement and the snuffing out of him, he brought peace into my heart. That the embracing of the fact that like I am a sinner and I, I couldn't handle God in my midst. That the very thing I want, I killed. That that truth is what can break us in the best way. That's what brings peace. And it's so counterintuitive. It's so unforced. It's, it demands a response. 
Because it, what it says simultaneously is that I, I'm, I'm actually the worst person I know. But I also, I also am totally convinced that God loves me. That those two things are simultaneously true. And so here's, here's what I want you to consider this week. Um, this is Holy Week. And what, the, the, you know, this happens every, sing, every single week, in essence, as we think about the resurrection. But um, there are parts of your life where you are resistant to grace, to the grace of this king. And you'll feel it in your heart. When you begin to worry or when you begin to feel like, oh, I got to get I got to get to this or when you begin to judge other people, you'll, you'll feel it and you know. Um, and what I want us to consider and what I want us to individually meditate on is what would it look like to give that over to Jesus? And to say, I'm not going to go down that limb or that rabbit trail or that way anymore. And I want you to rule, and I want to give that over to you. What would that look like this week? And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to take you on that journey, that crucifixion into the silence of Holy Saturday, and let you sit in that for a time. Because there is something on the other side. But you're not going to get the joy of the other side unless you go down into it. Jesus is showing us how to do it. He's showing us how to ride into the city. He's showing us what it means when a crowd devours you. And there's a crowd in all of our heads, you know, trying to to get at us. And what would it look like if you just said, all right, come. That's what it looks like to come to Jesus and rest. Stop defending. Stop trying so hard. And get a rest. That's what the gospel is about. We get, a, we get a taste of that here at this table. And so I'm going to pray, and, and Thomas is going to come up and do the confession and assurance um, for us. And we'll taste and see the gospel in tangible form. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kingship. We thank you for riding in on a little baby colt and uh, showing us how beautiful and ridiculous, and (laughs) amazing, and uh, counterintuitive, and unforced your kingdom is. Lord, you are the king, and you uh, get your way no matter what. And so, Lord, help us to um, rest in that. Help us to rest in you. You are good. In Christ's name, amen.